the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Monday, October 9th, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. Mr. Bill, good to see you. David Dahl, my producer, good to see you. Terry, good to see you. You might want to get your pencils and pens and notes out. The challenge for humanity, it seems to me, is twofold. First, to tame the savageness of man and Second, to use words to explain the enormity of the savagery we are to tame, along with the importance of taming it. Having moved through millennia of the work of the first kind, and knowing there are precincts of imperviousness to such taming, knowing they are far away outliers, we become complacent about the need for the second, the ability to articulate and describe the cruelty of the evil we have become unaccustomed to seeing. Political philosopher Hannah Arendt struggled with this herself as she sat through five months of a trial of one of the worst evildoers of modern life, Adolf Eichmann. She found his attitude toward and efforts in committing evil at a massive scale beyond emotion or regret beyond any feeling whatsoever. But after five months of listening to him, and the description of his crimes, including his famous lack of feeling any guilt, she summoned the moral understanding to write this, quote, Politics is not like the nursery. In politics, obedience and support are the same. And just as you supported and carried out a policy of not wanting to share the earth with the Jewish people and the people, of a number of other nations, as though you and your superiors had any right to determine who should and who should not inhabit the world, we find that no one, that is, no member of the human race, can be expected to want to share the earth with you. Close quote. And so we are reminded, once again, there are people we simply cannot share the earth with. Those reminders have been coming steadily since Saturday, 6.30 a.m., Israel time. One of the first things countries of the civil do when confronted with faces of evil they had forgotten about or thought would never darken their doors is take on an attempted historical understanding. We Americans did that after 9-11, buying all the books on Middle East history and Islam we could find. During the early days after 9-11, Israel was also under attack. Again, with certain elements of the administration then thinking it a good idea to pressure Israel. I was working with Gene Kirkpatrick, Bill Bennett, and Jack Kemp at the time, and we issued something called 20 Facts on Israel, still available on the Internet. Updating it, perhaps, this is a good place to start. Then they wrote, the world's attention has been focused on the Middle East. We are confronted daily with scenes of carnage and destruction. Can we understand such violence? Yes, but only if we come to the situation with a solid grounding in the facts of the matter, facts that are too often forgotten, if they were ever learned, thus 20 of them. One, 
When the United Nations proposed the establishment of two states in the region, one Jewish, one Arab, the Jews accepted the proposal and declared their independence in 1948. The Jewish state constituted only one-sixth of one percent of what was known as the Arab world. The Arab states, however, rejected the UN plan and since then have waged war against Israel repeatedly, both all-out wars and wars of terrorism and attrition. In 1948, five Arab armies invaded Israel in an effort to eradicate it. Jamal Husseini of the Arab High Committee spoke for many in vowing to soak, quote, the soil of our beloved country with the last drop of our blood, close quote. Two, the Palestine Liberation Organization, the PLO, was founded in 1964, three years before Israel controlled the West Bank and Gaza. The PLO's declared purpose was to eliminate the state of Israel by means of armed struggle. The PLO taught the world the use of hijacking airplanes beginning in 1968. As for its goals to this day, the website of Yasser Arafat's created Palestinian Authority claims that the entirety of Israel is occupied territory. It is impossible to square this with the PLO and PA assertions to Western audiences that the root of the conflict is Israel's occupation of the West Bank and Gaza. Again, those properties were taken by Israel three years after the PLO was founded. Three, the West Bank and Gaza, controlled by Jordan and Egypt from 1948 to 1967, came under Israeli control during the Six-Day War of 1967 that started when Egypt closed the Straits of Tehran and Arab armies amassed on Israel's borders to invade and liquidate, invade and liquidate the state of Israel. It is important to note that during their 19-year rule, neither Jordan nor Egypt had made any effort to establish a Palestinian state on those lands, nor was there a clamor from the Palestinians to have one. Just before the Arab nations launched their war of aggression against the state of Israel in 1967, then-Syrian Defense Minister, later President Hafez Assad, stated, quote, Our forces are now entirely ready to initiate the act of liberation and to explode the Zionist presence in the Arab homeland. The time has come to enter into a battle of annihilation, close quote. On the brink of the 1967 war, then-Egyptian President Gamal Nasser declared, quote, Our objective will be the destruction of all of Israel, close quote. Four, because of their animus against Jews, many leaders of the Palestinian cause have long supported civilization's enemies. The Grand Mufti of Jerusalem allied himself with Adolf Hitler during World War II. No surprise, really, to see a swastika at the Democratic Socialists' rally against Israel in Manhattan yesterday. Yasser Arafat, the first chairman of the PLO and president of the Palestinian Authority, repeatedly targeted and killed Americans. In 1973, Arafat ordered the execution of Cleo Noel, the American ambassador to the Sudan. Arafat was closely aligned with the Soviet Union and other enemies of the United States throughout the Cold War. In 1991, during the First Cold War, Arafat aligned himself with Saddam Hussein, whom he praised as, quote, the defender of the Arab nation of Muslims and of free men everywhere, close quote. If you walk through the Arab quarter of Jerusalem today, you see pictures of Arafat and Hussein on the walls of stores and restaurants, Still, just as if you 
walk into an old house of Democrats, you see pictures of FDR and JFK. Five, Israel has in fact returned most of the land that it captured during the 1967 war, and right after that war offered to return all of it in exchange for peace and normal relations. The offer was rejected. As a result of the 1978 Camp David Accords, in which Egypt recognized the right of Israel to exist and normal relations were established between the two countries, Israel returned to the Sinai Desert, a territory three times the size of the state of Israel, and 91% of the territory taken in the 1967 War Six. In 2000, as part of negotiations for a comprehensive and durable peace, Israel offered to turn over all but the smallest portion of the remaining territories to Yasser Arafat. But Israel was rebuffed. Arafat walked out of Camp David and launched another war. He subsists on war. Seven, about 12 years before that, Hamas was created. Its covenant states it is the duty of Islam to obliterate Israel, obliterate and that jihad is the only solution to Israel's existence. It is an irony of our times that the enemies of civilization have no problem or compunction in the use of their direct language, while we who try to maintain the composition struggle with such direct verbs and adjectives. 8. To this day, the Fatah wing of the PLO, the largest part, the moderate wing that was founded and controlled by Arafat himself and now... Mahmoud Abbas has as its official emblem the entire state of Israel, covered by two rifles and a hand grenade, another fact that belies the claim that moderate Palestinian leadership desires nothing more than the West Bank and Gaza. Nine, as for Hamas, it cannot operate without support from Iran, and Iran has been at war with Israel and the United States for nearly 45 years. In 1979, Iran captured and took over 50 American hostages. It created Hezbollah. It was behind the death of 241 Marines in Beirut, Lebanon in 1983. It was behind the slaughter of United States Navy diver Robert Stedham in 1985. It was behind the killing of 19 American servicemen in Kobar in 1996. And Iran has killed over 1,000 American soldiers in Iraq. That brings us to 10. We're halfway there. We will take a break, and I'll give you the other half when we come back. Welcome back. Continuing my uh, 20-point lesson on Israel, the Middle East, America, and her enemies. If you missed the first part, you can get it at 960thepatriot.com. Number 10, while criticism of Israel is not necessarily the same thing as anti-Semitism, it must be remembered that the Middle East press is in fact rife with anti-Semitism. As the eminent scholar Bernard Lewis pointed out, quote, the demonization of Jews in Arabic literature goes further than it had ever done in Western literature, with the exception of Germany during the period of Nazi rule, close quote. Since then and through all the years of the peace processes, things have become much worse. Depictions of Jews in Arab and Muslim media are akin to those of Nazi Germany and medieval blood libels, including claims that Jews use Christian and Muslim blood in preparing their holiday foods, have become prominent and routine. 11. Vast majorities of Arabs in the Middle East, including Palestinians, routinely show support for suicide bombings, an appalling set of statistics, but in light of the above facts, 
a set of unsurprising ones. Twelve, there are 21 Arab countries in the Middle East and 57 Muslim countries. There is only one Jewish state, Israel. It's also the only democracy in the region and the only state where civil rights are equally afforded to all religions and nationalities. In fact, the safest country in the Middle East for Christians is Israel. Thirteen, Israel is the only country in the region that permits citizens of all faiths to worship freely and openly. Over 20% of Israeli citizens are not Jewish. Fourteen, as for charges of it being an apartheid state, while Jews are not permitted to live in many Arab countries, Arabs are granted full citizenship and have the right to vote in Israel. Arabs are also free to become members of the Israeli parliament, the Knesset. In fact, several Arabs have been democratically elected to the Knesset and have been serving there for years. Arabs living in Israel have more rights and are freer than most Arabs living in Arab countries. There have been Arab and Muslim members of Israel's Supreme Court. Fifteen, Israel is smaller than the state of New Hampshire and exists in a neighborhood hostile to her existence. Some peace proposals, including the withdrawal from the West Bank, would leave Israel nine miles wide at its most vulnerable point. Again, Israel was pressured to give up the Gaza Strip in 2005. Gaza is on Israel's border. What more need be said as to what Gaza has become? It became the host and launching pad of Israel's worst day and likely week and likely month when it comes to deaths. That is the template of land for peace with unreconstructed terrorists. 16. The oft-cited UN Resolution 242, passed in 1967, does not, in fact, require a complete withdrawal from the West Bank. As legal scholar Eugene Rostow put it, Resolution 242, which as Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs I helped produce, calls on the parties to make peace and allows Israel to administer the territories it occupied until a just and lasting peace in the Middle East is achieved. When such a peace is made, Israel is required to withdraw its armed forces from territories it occupied, not from the territories, nor from all the territories, but from some of them. 17, again, this has been efforted. Again, Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Barak offered almost all of these territories to Arafat at Camp David in 2000, and Arafat turned it down and replaced it with an intifada. 18. Despite claims that the Israeli settlements in the West Bank are the obstacle to peace, Jews lived there for centuries before being massacred or driven out by invading armies in 1948-1949. And, And, contrary to common misperceptions, Israeli settlements, which constitute a whopping 3.5% of the territories, almost never displaced Palestinians. 19. The area of the West Bank includes some of the most important sites in Jewish and Christian history, among them Hebron, Bethlehem, and Jericho. East Jerusalem, often cited as an Arab city or occupied territory, is the site of Judaism's holiest monument. While under Arab rule from 1948 to 1967, this area was entirely closed to Jews Since Israel took control, it has been open to people of all faiths. 20. Finally, let us consider the demand that certain territories in the Muslim world must be off-limit to Jews. 
This demand is of a piece with Hitler's proclamation that German land had to be Judenrein, empty of Jews. Arabs can live freely throughout Israel and as full citizens. Why should Jews be forbidden to live or to own land in an area like the West Bank simply because the majority of people there are Arab? Now returning to Iran, it has been at war with America and Israel since the communist revolution in 1979, as I said, and it has been responsible for the deaths of thousands of Americans via Hamas and Hezbollah and the IRGC through kidnappings, hostage takings, hijackings, suicide bombings, torture, and more. It has praised and admitted to helping the slaughter this week. In turn, the slaughterers have praised Iran. We may have become complacent, as I said at the beginning, to these parts of the world and these utterings and desiderata of the forces of decomposition. But such neglect has only created an ever-expanding vacuum for them to fill. And as they have filled it, and now emptied their filth on the world, it is nigh past time to conclude the only way a normal, a commonsensical, a force of compositional, civilizational organization, country, and culture can. Having no pangs of conscience about the slaughter of innocence, having no political desires beyond reconstructing a world of medieval theology, having no goal other than the riddance of the decent and the peace-seeking, I am sorry, but must conclude with Hannah Arendt. To those who funded, planned, caused, and engaged in what we have been seeing for the last 72 hours, to all of you, we simply cannot share the earth with you. I was on a call this morning with several people in Washington, D.C., different political stripes, and the question had become what happens next. No one knows quite truly what happens next. I was speaking of vacuums in the last two segments. Right now there's a vacuum in Washington, D.C. at the White House. It's odd beyond words that the president could not say anything yesterday or today, that the vice president could not say anything yesterday or today, that the Secretary of State has changed his story and tweeted and deleted tweets over the last 72 hours, odd doesn't even come close to describing where we are right now. But it's a vacuum, and it's dangerous, and it's being filled with more filth. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show for our culture and economy update. No one better than John Dombrowski. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website is grandcanyonplanning.com. It's a great site, great uh, way to learn more about Grand Canyon Planning Associates and a great way to reach out to him. Happy Monday, John. Hey, Seth. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about oil and gas, since the Middle Mm. East is so dominant in the news right now. Um, You and I have been down these roads before together, and it Mm -hmm. looks like oil prices did jump a little bit today. Don't know if they're going to look like what they did in 73, 74, perhaps 
but I'm not so sure. I wonder what your thinking is. Well, in 1973, oil prices, you know, relatively speaking, obviously they were lower because of inflation yeah, over these sure. many, many, many years. But um, during the uh, over the next three months after the uh, Yom, Yom Kippur War, um, oil prices quadrupled mm-hmm. over three months. Now, if oil prices did that now, that would be it's just amazing. I don't yeah. think that's going to happen. And I think the stock market today, the reaction to the stock market, uh, kind of indicated a little bit as to maybe how uh, investors feel. It showed strength, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, it, it had a opening a weaker opening because I think they were assessing what yep. was going on, right? Yep. You know, but stocks mounted a reversal, um, and I think it was because as you know, people realized what the impact might be to the U.S. What it would be. Uh, it was a minimal. And uh, so at this point, we're not as reliable. You know, I'm not relying as much on the Middle East for oil as we were back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So things look a little different than they did back then. So is it possible oil prices will go up a little bit more? Yes, I think that that's very likely. But we're not going to – I don't believe anyway we're going to see anything like we saw back in 1973. Good. And that that conflict only lasted, I think, about three weeks. If I'm good, yeah, no, correct. and and of course, this is going to be a lot longer. This is going to be a lot longer. Although, you know, what they're saying is that you know there's not a lot of of oil really related uh, to uh, Gaza, and that's right. true enough for Israel. But if indeed Iran is more brought in, and then other Gulf states are brought into this, then we will probably see something more substantial as an increase, which raises the whole question about energy independence once again, unfortunately. I mean, and the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Wouldn't it be nice if we had a Strategic Petroleum Mm -hmm. Reserve at this point? Yeah, I mean, all those, we we talk about this often, you and I, um, how important it is to have energy independence. And I I think, I don't know if there's anybody out there, any U.S., you know, a U.S. citizen, if you ask the question, should we be energy independent? I don't know anyone that would say no to that question. Um, You know, and I don't even believe maybe that the current administration believes that we shouldn't be independent, right? But they won't voice that opinion. Uh, but I, I believe they probably think we should be. <laughs> I don't, don't know how they you just couldn't. don't want to do what it takes to get us there. That's the well, issue, that right? that may, that may be the case. But I can't imagine anyone would answer no to that question. And if I'm wrong, maybe somebody should call into your show and and if there's somebody out there, um, they can voice their opinion well, that think, we don't need. Well, the energy I think the argument goes along the lines of. Well, the idea of energy independence versus the environment and versus the green, uh, the green New Deal kind of perspective, right? That is the stumbling block. Right? And I can I can even see that point of view. But yeah. I would say, should this country be independent, right? Or sure. Energy independent. If sure. the answer is yes, then we have to use oil right well, now. Well, of course we can't yes. stop. Yes, we can course. get to where you want to be. You're, you're, but we you're need... presuming too much common sense, <laughs> yeah, John. We need to be responsible. You're presuming about a it. country that believes. In its entirety, that our borders should be secure. Well, you're yeah. presuming. You're presuming. A, well, I won't go down the list, but you understand yeah. what I'm saying. You're presuming a sense of common sense that may not be in the mainstream right now. I would just say this too, though, to, to people out there who are concerned about their investments right now. It's been choppy this past couple of yep. years, right? 2022 is a difficult year. 2023, we saw a bit of a rebound, a pullback. It's been a bit spotty. Um, you know, be very. Um, don't make. Uh, emotional decisions with your investments yep. is what I would say. Good. Because it's going to be very difficult for you to sleep at night if you're yeah. making those types of decisions. Yeah. You want to be very 
um, you know, methodical about it. Talk to your advisor about that. If you want to work with an advisor, you're not working with one, please go to our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com, and you can request an appointment right there with me. You're the best at it, John. I thank, well, thank you, you always, sir. You bet. God bless Securities you. and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Finn Rensipic and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. Look how much time you have left, too. You did that well, <laughs> sir. Thank you, John. Talk to you. Tomorrow. All right. Bye. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero is our number. Let's go down the line here. Where shall we start? We'll start with Mike and Carefree. He's been holding longest. Thanks for waiting, Mike. Welcome. Hi, Seth. I hope you're having a great day. Yes, sir. Trying. It's a, it's a hard. It's a, you know it's weird. It's I saw a guest on Fox News earlier, and someone said Happy Money. Said it's hard to say that today. It's just hard to say it, isn't yes. it? It's hard. Yes, it is. It, I I've just. It just was just a, a litany of things that our leaders on both sides of the aisle have done of late that uh, have just profoundly weakened our country. I mean, starting with the Republicans, we have a we have a crisis, and have they called Congress back into session? I don't believe so. Have they? Moved ahead to try and get a. Leader. I don't even know if they can. Can they even do that? I don't even know if that's the pro, if the pro tempore speaker has the power to do that. I'm not even sure if he does. Well, I, I wouldn't surprise me because no one uh, with any intelligence thought about any of this no. when, they, when they threw the speaker out. No, this was a big point of Mark Levin's. I don't know if you saw him this morning. Yeah, I missed now, it this now that morning, now but... that we've now that we've put an end to the Republican part of our federal government. Where is Matt Gates now? Yeah. They need to sign, you know, you break it, you own it. Uh, well, someone needs to step up. It isn't going to be the president, clearly. He he called a lid but, at 10 a.m., I, I think. But it goes on. You know, we, we are, I'm listening to them talking about our special forces. Remember, we threw thousands of special forces out because they wouldn't take a vaccine that Correct. was experimental and potentially harmful. No, and your point because, is so well put. Does harm- anyone think beyond today or the day that they're making these asinine decisions? Yeah, right. go on. They cut special forces in the military by 15,000. Uh, we have the Obama carry. Oops, did I lose you? The Obama carry, you faded out. Are you giving still our, yeah, uh, giving ahead. our uranium to Russia? Yep. Giving our uranium to Russia, allowing Iran to produce oil and sell it. If, you, if it's an environmental, why why is it any better to let them brew it? Right. So you're letting them, and you're, then then we're giving them billions of dollars every time John Kerry comes in the room. Iran gets billions of dollars, and, and terrorism goes up. That's right. And and, and um, on top of this entire thing, Joe Biden goes to bed at noon. So they didn't wake him up when it happened, as I understand the story. And he's had one on-camera visit with the American people in the world since Saturday. Neither of those were in the last 24 hours. Eleven Americans dead? Is that my latest understanding? I have never seen, I can't imagine in history, a moment when the American president was so absent over such a international crisis that includes a dozen American deaths or what will no doubt turn out to be much more. Mike, I'm sure the number will not stay at 11. I'm sure it won't. He's auditioning for a weekend at Bernie's. I I don't, I, I mean, it is odd. It is beyond comment how odd it is. 
and not the vice president. Well, they can't have the vice president because people would then ask, well, where's the president? So they put out the secretary of state, Antonin Blinken, and over three days he's had three different statements contradicting each other and had to take down two different tweets his department posted. I mean, this is at a time – I mean – at a time when leadership is important, and by the way, leadership which would have prevented any of this in the first place, it's never been more absent. Well, I heard Ben Carson talking about, you know, when Khrushchev predicted that uh, his, that uh, Eisenhower's grandchildren would live under communism, and everyone thinks that that was by rule, by, by conquest, and, and he was very clear to say, we're going to take you from within, and we, this is just a classic example of complete and utter mismanagement of our country by all of our leaders not putting the country first, not putting the people first, not putting security first, and on top of it, letting all kinds of terrorists come across the southern border and the northern border. What was the, um, what was the loudest voice in America over the last uh, two days? Well, probably the people protesting for uh, uh, the Palestinian Authority. Correct. In, that in was exactly City. my point. The loudest that you you picked up exactly what I was putting down, Mike. You put picked up exactly what I was putting down. I think over thirty thousand people marched under the banner of the Democratic Socialists of America in Manhattan yesterday. I heard over thirty thousand people. That was the loudest voice in America yesterday. By the way, young David says he may have clarification for us. David, do you? Ah, yes. So I looked up the most recent 118 rules that were adopted by this session of the Congress on January 9th of 2023. For clarification here, we are in uh, Speaker Pro Tempore, which is in paragraph 3, the office of the Speaker, the next member on the list as described in subdivision B, which is regarding the list that McCarthy made when he was adopted as Speaker, shall act as Speaker Pro Tem until the election of a Speaker or a Speaker Pro Tem. Pending such an election, the member acting as a Speaker Pro Tem may exercise such authorities of the office of a Speaker as may be necessary and appropriate to that end. We are yeah, it's, uh, the, I know it's a very limited thing. The distinction is whether the pro tempore Speaker is elected or selected. In this case, he was selected, which gives him even less, or her, even less powers. Anyway... Uh, we're, we're in the soup here, Mike. This could be the undoing of Biden. This could be it. By the way, it might also be the undoing of Bibi Netanyahu, I have to tell you, this, intel- this failure of intelligence and preparedness. Now, it won't be this week. In either case, it won't be this week because there's no time for that sort of thing, and it's not the morally appropriate thing today. But this lack and failure of intelligence may, may, may be his undoing, as it was Golda Meir's 50 years ago over the, uh, over the uh, uh, 1973 war. Yes, there, there's so many failures on so many levels. And the, the question is, why are we still giving money to the Palestinians? Well, we weren't. We weren't. We stopped it between the years of 2017 and 2020. We stopped it. Yeah, but we've been giving him money. Yes, and, and that was like, resumed yes, we, by we, Joe we, Biden. We theoretically stopped giving it to Iran, but we still give so-called humanitarian aid hundreds of millions hundreds of millions yes and you can make everyone in palestine a millionaire with what we've given them just give just give everyone a million bucks 
yeah, just, all they have is AK forty seven. Just just give all of them each of them a hundred thousand bucks, yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. It's interesting too, you know, if you did the ones that live inside the state of Israel, you know what? You know what polling shows? They have no interest in moving to the Palestine Authority, Palestinian Authority, and they have no interest in moving to Gaza. They have no interest. What does that tell you? It breeds a natural kind of additional contempt which and enmity, which is the problem. Uh, the problem for those that are unable to succeed by dint of their own efforts, by those who are unable to put their swords into plowshares. All right, I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Portions of this show brought to you by our dear friends at Y-Refi. They offer an investment in a portfolio that's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. If you're concerned about a possible recession or bank failures or stock market volatility, not related to the stock market or the Fed, it's a portfolio and investment where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like. No penalty if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure and collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi, which is a due diligence approved firm. And you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. Invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or at 888-YREFI-24. 888-YREFI-24. John is in Peoria. Hello, John. Hello, Seth. Hi. Uh, it's hard to say how you're doing on a day like this. It's a tough sure. day for everyone uh, in the civilized world, I would think. Yeah, I should think. it is. I was going to say, but you kind of said something, too, that started me thinking here. I was thinking the only bright side of the th- equation here is that Bibi's in control in Israel. But then, you know, what you said makes a lot of sense. He's probably going to be responsible for some of the lapses in uh, in the security equation here. But uh, hopefully I'm praying to God in heaven above that Bibi sticks to his guns and says, and, 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 lives up to what he's already said, that they, they're going to exact such a punishment, such a punishment that these people will, will will never forget it. I hope he lives up to those words. I'm paraphrasing those words that he said, but I think, am I right in a certain sense there? Yeah, well, that I think for those of us that have read him and listened to him over the years, I, I didn't catch his exact statement. That would certainly be the sentiment I know would exist I hope it exists throughout not only Israel's breast and brain, but the rest of the world's. Unfortunately and sadly, it doesn't. You know, uh, this world lives through a lot of moral confusion. Our job is moral clarity, and we live in a confused time where young people, John, young people in the most enlightened city in the world, the most enlightened city in the world, over the weekend, marched and celebrated the slaughter of innocence. Marched and celebrated the slaughter of innocence, your fellow countrymen and mine, in the most enlightened time and most enlightened city in the world, so we're told. So we're told. If people are looking for exaggerations and notions that this is a country of great moral clarity, we have a great relearning to do amongst a lot of our fellow citizens, 
not just in this country, but throughout the world. Those that cannot see the difference between who the victim was and what was done to victimize them and those who did it, and can go even a step further to praise those who did it, means we live in a very, very sick time. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.